Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Manamater. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about the Browns today. We got three weeks to get you caught up with, and we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the season, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah, so without further ado, we're back talking about the Browns, who are now 2-1 and one on the season. They should be 3-0. and oh. They had a monumental collapse in Week 2, if you saw but just some other quick updates for you guys before we hop in to a lot of the bulk of our show. Miles Garrett, the Browns' star defensive end, was just in a car crash today, and it looked terrible, but there's said to be no life-threatening injuries, so that's good to hear, and we just hope the best recovery for him. Yeah, it was said to be minor injuries. It seems like he probably did more damage to the car than the car did to him. He's just built different. So hopefully he's all good. I think he should be in, again, best of recovery. We got another game coming up versus the Atlanta Falcons on uh, a special day. It is John's birthday. Oh, yeah. Big, big Michael Jordan year. Yeah, it's the MJ year. So we will be enjoying some football and Guardians baseball on that day. I will be sitting on my couch the entire day enjoying some sports. But anyways, talk about enjoying some sports. Let's talk about the Browns' first three games, Jack. There was a lot to enjoy, and there was a lot to also not enjoy. But starting off with week one, the Browns were in Carolina. They buried Progressive Boy, and the game was saved by Cade Legatron York. And a special someone was actually there. Yeah, I was had the pleasure of being able to go to that game and see Baker Mayfield throw a pick in person, which was fun to watch. The Browns fans in the upper bowl loved that one. But yeah, we got our first dub to in the season opener since 2004, which was huge for the Browns. And I remember I, I was hype, especially seeing that Cade York won that game in, in such a fashion. Obviously, Baker did not do well, but I mean, that's like talking about an ex. I don't really want to do it. So we're, we're moved on from him, and he's he's struggling over there in Carolina. We're just glad it's not Cleveland anymore. So obviously, that was a big dub. All right, let's, t- let's talk about briefly about like the strong points about that game and, and the weak points. Is I feel like our you know outside of that one big blown cover to Robbie Anderson, yeah. our defense played pretty well, especially our run defense. Yeah, it's just those big plays, Jack, at the end of the game, and obviously that played into the next couple of weeks. But I think the thing that you got to highlight there was the run game really held the team together. It allowed Jacoby Brissett to drop back and pass because obviously defensive have to look out for Nick Chubb. So I think that was the big part. And then the biggest, though, was special teams at the end of the game with Cade York hitting that cold-blooded field goal in his NFL debut. Yeah. New York Jets, obviously this game was uh, was pretty sour. However, it offered a bright spot in the sense that I thought Jacoby Brissett played a lot better in week one, he was, I think, the uh, maybe third worst graded quarterback on the week. Um, I think only Baker Mayfield and maybe Justin Fields were worse. <laughs> so, But then he looked like a completely different quarterback in week two and then subsequently in week three versus the Steelers. And he, he's clearly become a really, really legitimate option for us. And I'm a little bit more in- encouraged once we hit the hard part of our schedule that maybe we'll be able to hold our own. Yeah, so I'm definitely a little more encouraged now. I still don't think Jacoby Brissett's the answer, the guy that takes the Browns to a deep playoff run or the Super Bowl. 
but he has been serviceable for these three weeks. The Jets game, he did look good. He did everything he could, and obviously it's too much to ask of him, Jack, to take the ball down the field in, what, 50 or 30 seconds is what they had and set up another game-winning field goal two weeks straight. That's just too much to ask of Jacoby Brissett. But week three versus the Steelers, Jack, he looked great. He is really growing a connection with Amari Cooper, who we'll talk about later. He was able to lead the offense down the field, obviously supplemented with that awesome, awesome run game that we have. But hopping into week three, I really don't want to talk about that Jets game anymore. It was just one of the most pathetic endings to a Browns game I've ever watched, and we've watched a lot of pathetic games as Brown fans. But week three versus the Steelers, it really didn't seem like the Browns at any point you know, were down or like they weren't going to win. He really just led the Browns in a steady Thursday night football win. Yeah, we finally put it all together and played a full 60-minute football game there. I mean, I guess even at the end, it wasn't easy, I think, where we like were short of the first down and we had to give it back to him or whatever happened. But I, I was very encouraged to see this team kind of bounce back from the two blown coverages they had in both the Panthers game and then the, the obviously the the loss in the Jets game, they finally like clearly Joe Woods went into this week and Kevin Stefanski with the you know the main point being that they are going to communicate on defense and they're going to communicate as a team and play a full football game and that's what they did and it was a great win versus a a longtime rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and obviously, like we said, the big part of that or a big part is Jacoby Brissett who is now throwing at a completion percentage of 66.3% through three games. He has 596 yards, four TDs, and one interception. He's averaging 198.7 yards per game, which isn't a lot. But the big thing here, Jack, is that he's not turning over the ball. And that's something that Progressive Boy really had a problem with, turning over the ball, throwing a lot of interceptions. And Jacoby is doing the exact opposite of it. And the Browns have been in every game. Yeah, and I think I think part of that poise under pressure and the you know how well he's been playing comes a little bit to do has a little bit to do with his mentality, you know, and like he understands so well. And this is going to sound a little weird, maybe, but like he understands his role. He understands that he doesn't need to make every single play and be like this, you know, razzle dazzle quarterback he just makes the right play every time he stays poised under pressure he knows that the number one thing he needs to do is not turn the ball over and that's what i think i feel like baker struggles a little bit with that or he struggled with that when he was in cleveland is he felt like he had to be the man and if he just would have you know done what he just done the basics right hit the open guy and, and and done that i think baker mayfield would have had more success but again this is about jacoby and not baker and he's clearly become a leader for this team and I guess speaking, one last thing I'll say is, too, is like, man, I, I know the transitive property doesn't apply always in football, but if Jacoby is playing this well in this offense, like, I can only imagine what Deshaun Watson is going to do and this the, the heights that this team could, could reach. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see Watson plugged into this offense, making it just so much more dynamic. Plus, you add that running threat that he brings to the game, too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It may take time with Watson, but like you said, Jack, it's the Jacoby Brissett time right now, so we're going to keep talking about him and what supplements Jacoby Brissett, and that is the Browns' offensive line 
and run game, which have been phenomenal, especially your star running back, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb has been the best running back in football. I'm not going to say one of the best because up to this season, he has been statistically the best running back in football. 62 attempts, 341 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. As always, like it's death taxes and Nick Chubb averaging over five yards per carry. Four touchdowns, 113 yards per game. The dude is just a machine. And you just got to keep feeding Nick Chubb. Run the ball, Kevin. Run the damn ball. Yeah, I mean, Kevin is running the dang ball, Jack, because he is leading the NFL in attempts at 62 and yards at 341. He, he's doing absolutely phenomenal. He's doing what he needed to do with their star quarterback out. Everyone wanted to see Nick Chubb fed with Jacoby Brissett in the game, and that's exactly what is happening. He's averaging 113 yards a game, Jack. He's pushing up 5.5 a pop, like you said, so he's doing basically everything he can. Chubb, a.k.a. Batman. But credit is given to the offensive line here too, Jack. They are coming together very solid. They are making up for you know some injuries on the offensive line, obviously, to Nick Harris. Ethan Pochich has been in uh, center position, and he's holding his own. And the Browns also got Jack Conklin back last week, a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle, and that's huge for them. They also do have great depth with right tackle, left tackle James Hudson, who has substituted into games and started other games so the browns offensive line has been a strength and it's looking like it will be another big one for this season yeah 100 percent. the browns white teller is currently ranked as the best guard in football according to pff and joel batonio is the seventh best guard in football pochich like you said has been playing really well he's ranked as the 11th best center in the nfl i do think some of that probably has to do with the the guys on either side of him it makes his job a lot easier but he's certainly stepped up i mean like you said conklin first game back graded pretty well james hudson has stepped into a really you know I, again this is a guy that we've kind of been both critical on but also hopeful for and to see him succeed is really really nice because we we really needed that 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 sixth man on the offensive line. So I'm super excited to see what his offensive line can do for the rest of the season. And I guess the one there, it's not all sunshine and rainbows because our first round pick from a couple of years ago has been the one kind of downside here. And I'll let you talk a little bit about Jedrick Wills. Yeah, that's Jedrick Wills. So far this year in three games, he's allowed two sacks and nine pressures. The Carolina Panthers game was not good for him at all. There was a lack of effort. There was quit on plays. But in the next two games, he stepped it up a little and has done better. But he's just got to put together a full season for the Browns. And I think the biggest thing that is the most aggravating to people is his effort at times and the fact that he quits on plays. But the past two games have definitely been a step up from the Carolina Panthers one. But we just got to see it as you know, a whole season. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, and, and that kind of allows us to talk a little bit about, you know, Amari Cooper, who has, unlike Jedrick Wills, has been, has lived up to the hype. Amari Cooper has been everything Odell was not, and, I mean, for a fifth-round pick, just continues to look more and more like a steal each week. He has 19 catches for 219 yards and two touchdowns. 101 yards in back-to-back games 
the dude is separating like i mean it seems like every time he catches a ball he's wide open uh, it's just impressive to watch and he's the first browns wide receiver with 100 yards in back-to-back games since josh gordon in 2013 which is kind of crazy to think about so he is he's legit yeah, so Amari Cooper was open a lot in that first Panthers game, but he only had three receptions for 19 yards. And since then, he's had 16 receptions for 202 yards in two games. So he's come in and absolutely produced, give the Browns a spark plug at wide receiver, which was a huge question mark coming into this season. So that's really good to see. It looks like him and Jacoby also are starting to develop that really, really sound connection. So it's awesome to see. I say, Jack, we transition onto the other side of the ball now. There's a lot of news here. The first thing I have listed here is they got to finish stronger. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to be said about that. Anyone that watched the first three games knows exactly what that means. They, you know, they have drives where they look really, really good. The defense and, and you know they shut them down. Miles Garrett has a sack or whatever, and and then they just go and allow a drive that, you know. They, they're like Swiss cheese and they, you know, whatever happens, happens. There's no communication and it's Joe Woods is, you know, calling awful plays. The biggest thing I think here is kind of hit the focus on Joe Woods and his just love for zone coverage. The zone coverage in the first two weeks absolutely killed the Browns and he didn't make an in-game adjustment to change that. So, I, again, there's so much to talk about here. I don't want to say it all but Joe Woods is just he's not looked good even in that Steelers game there were drives where we just got sliced up and then Mm -hmm. the Steelers would call the same plays over and over again like the the Deontay Johnson like button hook route that Denzel Ward was getting killed on all night they never adjusted to it like the entire game he was the same route was just getting destroyed so I just I would like again finish stronger play a full 60 minute game and then make the adjustments in the game that you need to make yeah, so it's very schematic when it comes down to all of this, Jack. It's Joe Woods, and for those of you that don't know what his own defense is, it means the defenders play in a certain area. They're not playing pressed up against an offensive player. And the Browns, cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers in college and the NFL have all played very, very well in man coverage. And that's exactly the opposite of what Joe Woods has been doing in his what two and a half seasons here as a defensive coordinator which is absolutely mind-blowing and one person that's taken a huge hit to this year is Denzel Ward who ranks 99 out of 102 cornerbacks this year the Browns just gave him a 100.5 million dollar contract Jack you want him to be better than 99 and he will be better than 99 but the first couple weeks have not been promising and that is not just Denzel Ward's fault too it goes to the rest of the defense. It goes to Joe Woods. This defense ranks 23rd in points allowed per game with 24 points allowed per game, which is a lot of points. They are good versus the run, but their pass defense hasn't been that great. So the Browns need to take a step up there if they want to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and in that 24 points per game is even worse when you look at who he's played, right, with the Panthers and the Jets and the Steelers, some of the worst offenses in the NFL. Like you said, we a lot, you know, we switched to man in week three, or at least more man coverage in week three, and obviously our defense definitely looked better. There was also, no huge we, plays, too. That's another big thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no blown coverages, no big plays, and... And 
part of that Denzel Ward ranking 99 of, out of 102 corners. I think it's a little misleading because that Corey Davis touchdown that obviously lost us the game versus the Jets was blamed on Denzel in the grading. Like, if you look at his his stats, apparently that, that touchdown was on him. So I guess it's a little maybe misleading because he's only been targeted maybe three or four times a game. I think he was targeted like 10 times in the Steelers game just because that Deontay Johnson route was working. So, again, he's, he's not been good, but I expect him to bounce back. I'm not overly concerned there. And then, yeah, so, so I don't know. This defense is a work in progress. I'd like to see Joe Woods adjust more if he's going to stay. But I'm glad to see that the Browns are finally kind of put it together versus Steelers. Yeah, and we got two more defensive headlines here for you. One is actually pretty big news, and that is Anthony Walker Jr. is out for the year. He was injured in the Steelers game, and that's a huge hit. He was graded as one of the best linebackers in the NFL through two weeks, and he is a massive leader in the Browns' locker room. He was also playing so well on the field, Jack, so that is a huge hit for the Browns' team. They will see if Jacob Phillips can now come in and fill in that middle linebacker role. And other big news is that Jadavion Clowney was out for Week 3. He is a massive compliment to Miles Garrett, and he may be back now this week to play the Falcons, which could even be bigger if Miles Garrett is not playing for a little while due to this car accident. Yeah, obviously those are two very important parts of our defense so far. And Jadavion Clowney coming back can't be understated. He was playing like I'm almost on par with Miles Garrett for those first that first game and into that second one. So I look forward to getting him back, and obviously that's tough for Anthony Walker Jr., wishing him all the best. So moving on, we're going to talk about special teams. Obviously, that was the highlight of week one with Cade York, Himatron, Legatron, making the 58-yard game-winning field goal. But since then, it has been kind of a little bit downhill in the sense that he's missed extra points in two straight games. Obviously, extra points are you got to make those, right? Those should be automatic. And, and arguably, it cost us a game versus the New York Jets, right? At least we would have been sent to overtime. Yeah, those are huge, Jack. They're like free throws in the NBA. Now they're a little harder just because the NFL moved them back a couple of years ago. But you got to make your extra points. It did put the pressure on the Browns, who ultimately collapsed. And it wasn't just Cade York's fault for missing that extra point a lot of other stuff went wrong in that game but like you said that would have at least given the Browns a chance to go to overtime and try to battle their way back to beat the Jets and ultimately be at 3-0 instead of 2-1 and then the other thing that we have highlighted here is onside kicks which have been frankly embarrassing for the Browns they lost one in the Jets game which helped them lose the game that was on Omari Cooper like we said there was just so many different things that went wrong in that game And then they missed one last week versus the Steelers, but luck was on their side because it rolled by and out of bounds, but it also would have given the Steelers a chance to come down and take a lead in the game. That lead would have been supplemented by the fact that Cade Yord missed another extra point. So the Browns special teams needs to get their stuff together. They had an awesome week one, but extra points... And onside kicks are something that your team should be trained on very, very tightly. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, it looks like they didn't even, they haven't even practiced onside kicks before. They have no idea what they're doing. I know they have, and maybe it's just unlucky, but 
they, they really do have to share some things up on that side of the ball because special teams are an underrated aspect of football that doesn't get talked about enough, but that can decide games. And so hopefully Mike Prefer and Kevin Stefanski and those guys will figure that out. So looking at the rest of the year, John, let's talk a little bit about uh, the outlooks and, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Falcons game. How do you think this team shapes up for the rest of the year? And do you think Jacoby can hold it down until Deshaun Watson returns? I do think Jacoby can hold it down. And my expectations aren't too high, Jack. Holding it down doesn't mean winning with a super positive record, but winning enough to give the Browns a chance to make a playoff push for when Deshaun gets back. These past three games have definitely given me a lot more hope in Jacoby, especially the past two games. He's serviceable. He can win games. There's a really tough stretch coming up for the Browns where they probably will lose a couple in a row, but the Browns just have to focus on the games that they can win, the ones that are in their control, and they have to snag those because otherwise they're going to be out. But I do have hope. I do think Jacoby is serviceable. You have a game versus the Falcons this week, which is winnable. You have a game versus the Chargers, which will be very, very hard. And then you have one up versus the Patriots, who could be even down Mac Jones. So that's another game that you could go out and win. You could start your season off at, what, 4-1? and one, And from there, yeah. you just got to pick off wins at, you know, each other week in the season. Well, I got to admit, after after the week one game, I was like, okay, Browns, need, Browns could start 4-0, right? And we talked about this a little bit. Like, I, I was encouraged that the Browns could start 4-0. Obviously, that doesn't happen with the Jets, but... As the last two weeks have gone on, I'm, I'm actually more encouraged that through that hard stretch, we'll actually pick up a win or two. You kind of mentioned it, like the Chargers. I know you said the Chargers are going to be tough, and they will be, but you know Justin Herbert's banged up, right? Keenan Allen's banged up. They just lost their like wide receiver three in Jalen Guyton. And they're starting left tackle in Rashawn Slater. And they're starting, yeah, they're great starting left tackle. And then they just lost to the Jaguars, like 38-30. to well, they got collapsed, right? And the Jaguars are not some world-beating team. So, I mean, that the, the Chargers are vulnerable right now. Patriots, obviously, they look terrible. And then Mac Jones is probably going to be out for that game. And then you go Ravens. Bengals have looked vulnerable. Dolphins look great. Bills look great. Bucks. I mean, honestly, the, the Bucks have not been, you know, the Bucks of the last two years. That could be a, a beatable, winnable game. So I'm actually encouraged, especially with Jacoby playing the way he has in the last two weeks, that we actually might be able to rattle off a couple of these wins. Yeah. As Browns fans, we perfectly know that wins are not promised in the NFL. So if a team comes out with more hunger, with more energy, with more purpose, the Browns team are full of those aspects. They can steal a game from a better team. And that's something the Browns could do, pick off some big games and this stretch of rough ones that they have. But we have some score predictions here for you for this upcoming weekend versus the Falcons. I'll start off with mine since I'm yapping away right now, and that is 31-27. The Falcons have put up 27 points, 26 points, and 27 points. So I'm just going to say they score 27 again, but the Browns have also had the highest scoring offense in the NFL due to your boy Jacoby Brissett. Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper, and even some David Njoku action. So I'm saying the Browns will top them, put up 31, and move to 3-1. and one. I like it. I'm going to go 32-13. to 13. I think we destroy them. I know that the Falcons, like, that, was, that was pretty good historical reference there, looking at the Falcons' last three games, but I think a lot of those points have come in garbage time. I guess that's very 
impossible that the Browns allow that to happen since they don't know how to play a full game. Oh, definitely. But I do think that this should be a, a very, very winnable game for the Browns and should, shouldn't have too much trouble. But I guess I said that about the Jets, so you never know. So 32-13, I think the Browns take care of this one. So, John, what's your record prediction for the rest of the year? So at, we're obviously 2-1 and one right now. Rest of season, that leaves 14 games. What do you got? Where do you see the Browns? You do not up? have 14. <laughs> I do. I do. Let's start with you, Jack. Why 14-0? and 0? Yeah, so I'm 14-0. I think Brissett <laughs> is him. Clearly the future of this team and should probably just trade Watson at this point because Brissett is – the, like he's the guy he's the, he's the man so 14 and 0 bills and dolphins might be kind of tough but i'm not too worried so i have a little more conservative of an opinion on this and that is eight and six i think the browns finish out with a positive record bringing them to 10 and 7 right 10 and 7 taking them to a playoff berth for the first time since 2020 and giving Cleveland another playoff season for football. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's a little bit, a little conservative for my, my taste, but but yeah. That is all that we have for you guys today. The Browns are 2-1. and one. It feels great to be in the positive with this team. We shall see what happens, and we will be back with more episodes about the Browns. Got one coming about the Guardians playoff, which is just so freaking exciting. But if you guys made it this far, thank you for tuning in again. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. And as always, stay hot, our friends. Peace, y'all. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We'll have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.